All right, welcome to episode 45 of the At Bad Podcast presented by War Media, where we give you our thoughts on the latest Chicago baseball news as well as take a trip around the league. I am Saul Rodriguez along with my war colleagues Gabe Wilkins, who you can see on War Media's Open Run talking hoops, and Chris Pennant, who you can also see talking hoops on the Skyhook Podcast, talking all things Chicago Sky with James K. How are we doing today, guys? How are we doing, Gabe? I'm doing well, man. You know, maintaining. It was a long election season, but outside of that, you know, last minute voters showing up on uh, Clark Street. I'm I'm good now. I'm well rested. I mean, it's nothing to me. Yeah, I've I've done the the elections before, like election judge. I know it's I'm, I'm not different from I don't know if it's different from what you were doing, but yeah, it, it takes a toll. And for how you did from you did it from the sound of it, like that, yeah, you did way more work, and that's like, yeah, I can't even imagine. You probably drained. I, so early voting, I, I did. Yeah, I did oh, early, early voting. Yeah, yeah, I did it for two weeks. And that was my second time doing it because I did it during the 2020 um, presidential election. Oh, yeah. You, know, you, you, deal with, you deal with a variety of personalities, shall I say. <laughs> you know, but, to say the least. Yeah. But I'm somebody who take pride in keeping my composure and staying mild-mannered. So I, I was able to navigate it. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's over and done with. Now it's cool. So I, I'm not really complaining. But I, I think it's something that a, a lot of people should take up, especially when yeah. – you know, so many people want to go about voting and I'm all for that. But mm-hmm. like, it's important to know your rights, too, and how the process works. And I feel like there's no better way to figure out how the process works until you work within it and you learn some things, you know, from that vantage point. Yeah, it's like it's like I think everybody should be like everybody should try like a, a like any type of jo- like sales job, like associates or like or even like a like a waiter at a restaurant. Like everybody should have to do that because like you get a more understanding of like the way the world works. Some people don't ever do that. And then there's assholes forever, but that's, that's for another podcast. Uh, Chris, how you doing, man? <laughs> I had um, a bit of a, of a miniature season that Gabe had. Cause I was back at uh, my polling place yesterday, like the last election. And it was, they were not as many characters as we've had. We had our, our guy in the afternoon who doesn't trust uh touchscreen voting, but he, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's nice. He's a nice uh-huh. enough dude. He's just, you know, he's a little, he's a little weird. Everything else was pretty smooth. Um, we had to watch the precinct across the hall get done at like 745, whereas we left at 845 because they had like a quarter less voters. Dang. A quarter, sorry, a quarter of the voters that we had. I don't understand how, you know, just some some walls, some wonders about board breakdowns and precinct breakdowns as usual, but it was exciting. I think the results were exciting because I know a lot of people, um, that my friends, I haven't heard from my mom. I realized that that was actually kind of weird, but they're very <laughs> excited about the results, and and I am too. I'll say that I hope you know, I'm hopeful, um, and like as we, like a lot of people said, keep up with things, keep up with the process, make sure that you hold the um, new administration completely and fully accountable. But I'm excited. No, yeah, I mean, I, I I unfortunately do not get to vote as I live in the suburbs. But uh, so but it was cool to see. And when we talked about a lot with me going, like I said, still going to school at Roosevelt, like we, we get to talk about it all the time. I know my professor, uh, John Fowen, he always brings it up and we're talking all the time about the election and Paul Vallis and, you know, Brandon Johnson and all that. So, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see that. And, and uh, that it's it's over. And yeah, it's a positive result. So uh, hopefully it's it means well for Chicago. So here we go. Uh, so it's been a great first week of baseball. Of course, it's, it's nice to every day, you know, like to. Just you know, and I know, and, and Gabe, I know you're still on NBA because NBA is still you know it's still going strong and the playoffs are coming up. So it's, I, I always got to keep an eye on. It's, it's a time of year where it's kind of hard sometimes, at least for me, 
because I have to keep up with the Bulls while also keeping up with the Cubs and still look and watching the Sox game too. And it's like a whole other thing, but it's still nice to have baseball games every day, seeing like, you know, the Mariners and angels at like nine o'clock and it's cool. But uh, for the Cubs and white Sox, it's been not, not necessarily a consistent uh, start, but it's like the Cubs are two and three. Uh, we're recording this on, on a Wednesday when the, they got rained out against the Reds while the white Sox are three and three. And they, uh, they, you know, took care of the giants today to tie the series one game apiece. But What's your guys' initial take on on just baseball over the last week, or or whether it's the Sox or whatever? We'll start with you, Chris. What what has been your your first impression of the first week of baseball? Oh, baseball in general. Um, yeah. yeah, the rules are taking effect. I mm-hmm. think we've seen the rules take effect, and we're we're starting to see some of the impacts of those rules. Jazz Chisholm on the Marlins got injured today, uh, trying mm-hmm. to trying to steal a base, and you were we anticipated seeing a lot more steals with the limits of pickoff throws. Uh, Manny Machado got called out on strikes in a in a kind of a tight situation, the clutch situation. I'll say that much, mm-hmm. uh, which we saw in we saw in spring training, we saw in preseason, and I think at that point, I I figured that guys, even though they have their routines, were going to be more cognizant of it. But there you go, and I think we're outside of that. You're seeing how players are have adjusted who played in the in the World Baseball Classic. But there's nothing really outside of individuals. I don't see anything really demonstrative. The Phillies are one and five. You know, the Rays are six and zero. Oh. I don't anticipate those being the norm going forward. Even though we have high hopes for the Rays, mm-hmm. um, I don't think the and even if the Phillies have a lot to contend with in their division, I don't see them going two hundred over the course of the entire season. You know, uh, so. I think individually we're seeing some interesting things. Um, I liked Jesus Lizardo's performance today. I always thought that he got pushed out of Oakland a little too early. Pablo Lopez had a nice outing um, in his past, in his first few starts. And so I think the Marlins are, if not necessarily a team to watch, a team to keep your eye on. I've been waiting for them to really kind of get over that hump and be contenders or at least competitive. And if there's one thing to keep your eye on that I've seen so far is that the that, that is true and i mean they they're i think they are gonna go as far as or like they, i think they they mirror jazz so hopefully jazz can come back soon because i feel like he was like you know he was going off last year and then got injured so you know we really want to see a full year of him um because of how talented he is and 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 also so people don't say that there's an mlb the show curse as well uh because every time they, they you know with the cover and especially you know he's on the cover of it this year so uh, but no, you're right. And the, and the Marlins always have good pitching, starting pitching. You know, they they even after the trading Pablo Lopez, you know, they still got guys in there. I also like uh, uh, Lazardo. So, yeah, hopefully they, they're you know take a positive step forward and see what happens. But Gabe, what about you? Anything that you've seen over the, like the first week of, of baseball that stood out to you by any chance? I haven't had really much of a chance to sit down and watch baseball games until prior to this afternoon when I was watching the Giants and Sox, but based off of what I have seen in limited highlights thus far, I would have to say that I've been impressed with the play from the Texas Rangers through the first six games, finding a way to take down the Philadelphia Phillies to start the season. Offense has been red hot, and they look like they have a respectable pitching staff for once and for all, with guys like Jacob DeGrom, Nathan Evaldi, and John Gray in the mix, if who if healthy and 
consistent can probably give them, you know, some solid quality starts game in and game out. I'm just intrigued to see what this group can do in an AL West that is loaded. And although Houston has gotten out to a slow start and we expect them to, you know, change that and win the division rather easily, that second spot is always up for grabs, it feels like, in the AL West. You know, some years you've had the Angels ride it. Some years you've had Oakland ride it when they were good. Seattle last year finally breaking through with um, and overcoming the longest playoff drought in North American sports. I'm wondering if Texas can do that and make it an interesting AL wildcard race where you know they're going to be a couple of AL East teams involved come season's end. Yeah, and, and you you know bringing up the Rangers, you're right. They're I mean they're playing so well right now. They got Mitch Garver with the, with the 11.86 OPS. You got Josh Jung who's out there, Adolis <laughs> Garcia, like all these dudes, yeah. these dudes going off on the Rangers. And yeah, look, I I watch in in I don't know if I'm in the minority here, but I I I feel like I don't really hear much positive about their stadium. But you, are you guys do you guys like their stadium? No, I ah okay. It's no, it's just because they they it's the they finessed they finessed Arlington. They finessed True. them for a new stadium. You're I right. I understand that playing outside in Texas is is a crapshoot, but uh-huh. at a certain point, climate control is just going to make it, it. It's not necessarily the best thing for sports or people in general. Like they built a dome in Los Angeles. It doesn't rain that much in Los Angeles. Why do you really need climate <laughs> control? Like, it's, it's a good point. So I never thought about it like that. They had a stadium. It had some uniqueness to it. The Rangers had those years of being decent and those years of being very, very good. And all in all, I was like, you know what? This looks a cool-looking stadium. I understand that you're going to get a hard infield because Texas is hot and hot and hot and hot all summer long. But then they were like, you know what? Let's build a don't. Let's build a, a, a climate-controlled um, roofed stadium. For what? Bro, for what? That stadium does not <laughs> hold nearly as much intrinsic value to me aesthetically as the ballpark in Arlington. Yeah, I, I, I like the 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 ballpark in Arlington. I liked it. I just thought the only thing I didn't like about that is that I felt like that the 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 fans in center field were like so far or like the you know how they have like over the batter's eye they have like those their seats, right? Am I wrong? Am I wrong on that? But like they they had a berm out there. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cuz I I'm, I'm always just like I always saw people and then like that's so far. But it was it was a cool stadium though cuz it was different and like it just felt so big, but this one also feels very big. But yeah, I mean, I yeah, like I said, I might be in the minority because I don't feel, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't hate it. I actually like it. But and I think also because it was one of those things where maybe because also it we saw it a lot in the playoffs in 2020, it being you know the host of those games there. So I don't know. But and it was a big time ballpark in the 1990s too. Oh yeah, you know, that, yeah, they, that they one, had yeah. the All Star Game in 1995. The that mm-hmm. ballpark was up there with like. Oriole Park at Camden Yards mm. and Jacobs Field, yeah. which is now Progressive Field, is like the three big marquee stadiums during the 1990s era. You know, that actually yeah. had a lot of amenities for their fans that older stadiums, such as the cookie cutter ballparks, did not have. Mm-hmm. You know, so that it, it, it was different. Yeah. And, and I mean, you mentioned Camden. I mean, that's, I feel like that stadium. It's talked about a lot, but I feel like it doesn't, it's not talked about nearly enough. It's got to be talked about more. Such a nice stadium. Uh, but anyways, moving on to uh, we'll start off with Chicago baseball. This, so we'll start off with the Cubs. Uh, I know my fellow uh, Cub fan Miles is not here today, 
but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take it from here. And uh, I'll say this, I'm, I'm not necessarily disappointed in the first week. Uh, they lost two games out of three to the, to the Brewers. Uh, they, then they, uh, they, well, I guess tied one, one against the Reds is that third game was postponed due to rain. Uh, I'll say this, the first year looking at the Brewers lineup and, and we were talking about it in a preview, Chris, and uh, uh, gave you couldn't make it, but we talked a little bit about how the Brewers lineup leaves a lot to be desired as always. Um, and then you got guys out there just raking like, uh, like Mitchell and, and, uh, it's just, I don't know. I mean, he walked it off today. Uh, he's a rookie. He walked it off with, with a bomb off the Mets. So look, I mean, they're getting it done. I can you know, it is what it is. And then you go over the Cubs, go over to the, to Cincinnati and they got guys like Friedel out there, Vossler raking off them. So I'm like, Oh my goodness. And look, it's not to say it is what it is. The Cubs bullpen is is pretty bad. It, it, it's I know they're missing Brandon Hughes and whatever Cody Cody Hoyer will one day pitch for the Cubs. I hope, uh, but it just it just it's just not not fun. But anyways, positives here though. Uh, Dansby, you know, of course, having a historic start to his Cubs career. Um, Ian Happ also having a quiet you know start to the, or quietly great start to the season. Uh, just another reason why they should pay the man. Uh, and then uh, Strowman uh, and Steele they dazzled, but. And then you had uh, Drew Smiley and, and Hayden Wisniewski and Tyone, who kind of left something to be desired, but didn't have terrible starts. It's their stuff was just not there, especially for uh, Wisniewski, who I was hyped on, on on Monday. Man, I was like, man, it's uh, it's fine, you know. Or I was on Tuesday, sorry. They, you know, finally get to see this guy, you know, as as part of our rotation now and like consistently. And then he he didn't have his stuff against the Reds, but uh, other than that, I mean, uh, Bellinger had a you know has had a great series in Cincinnati. He's looking a little better out there, but. Man, I look at this Cubs lineup, and it, the thing is, is like watching it every day, is like I, I sometimes feel like I should be getting paid to watch uh, guys like Hosmer, oh. like Hosmer, and uh, <laughs> and in uh, Madrigal. Like, I, I I hope I hope nothing but the best with these guys, but because they're, they're my team. But it's just come on, man. Like, and Bellinger in that first series looked horrible too, and I'm like, here we go again. And uh, it's gonna be terrible again, but he, he's been looking a little better since he, like I said. But, anyways, what, what anything that you guys have have heard of or seen? I, I know Gabe, you said you haven't been able to watch a lot of the games, but just some of the stuff that you've heard, at least from Cub fans or something like that, from the first week of of Cubs baseball. We'll start with you, Chris. I, I haven't heard anything on on the regular. I'll say that, but I was surprised to see that they started off the season one and five. That. I, I caught a few minutes of the game. I think it was the first game that there was Miley was Smiley was pitching mm-hmm. against um, the Reds. And I was worried for them that it was three, three after the first, like with the way that the Reds general manager has talked about them. That's not a series that you want to come out on the short end of. And mm-hmm. I know, like you said, they had the game postponed yesterday uh, due to weather and they, they won the second game, but it's, it's early. That's the thing. It's early. We, we got teams who were looking fantastic, uh, but the, the Rays are not going to win every single game. I I don't think they're going to win two-thirds of their games. That's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty tall order. And the Cubs, again, they're not going to so – I said, said one-fifth, and it meant like 16%. They played six, and they've won one. They're not going to win 16% of their games this year. Now, it's, it's funny you bring up Nick Madrigal because – I think there's a lot of White Sox fans, like maybe 10% of myself included, who wouldn't mind having him back and solidify second base. But I think when he's in a lineup of a team that's kind of retooling, rebuilding like the Cubs are, some of his deficiencies get exposed. But 
we talked about these guys, right? Hosmer and Bellinger were reclamation projects. Mm-hmm. Um, Trey Mancini is just trying to kind of parlay. He's going from contract to contract at this point in his career. He's a good guy. He'll steady a clubhouse. He'll hit decently well for you. But and Jan Gomes, you know, those are the type of guys that you're, you're trying to hold the line with while Horner develops, Horner develops and Swanson hopefully continues doing what he's doing this year. You know, he's not going to hit 500, but hopefully if he hits like, you know, high 300s, then you got what you paid for with him. But that's what you're kind of looking for. You're looking for some guys who can maybe give you like, we'll re-up with them or give them a two or year deal down the road. But it's early days. I think that's the most important part of it. Now, what you're looking for that you have yet to see that you'll hopefully get a better feel on by the end of April is how the guys outside of Stroman are going to perform in the rotation. That's still more important than the lineup to me. It always has been. So can you get good games from Thompson, Tyone, Steele, Alzali? Can you get good performances from them? Even Michael Fulmer, who has just never, never reachieved that level that he got rookie of the year with. That's what you're really looking for, in my estimation. You're looking for quality from the pitching staff. Yeah, no, you're right. If the pitching staff is on, like these guys, they have enough in the lineup to score. I mean, they got, you know, the the what, what I expect guys from Bellinger, Mancini, Wisdom, like just run into some homers, right? It's like, or, or, or just some, like you know. But Mancini, at least look, the thing is, Mancini, at least he has good, at, like to what I've seen compared to Bellinger, he's had good at bats. Uh, it's the guys like Hosmer and 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 Bellinger is some of the bats they at bats they have. They just look they they stand zero chance. And Bellinger, I've seen that plenty in 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 uh, with the Dodgers. Mancini, I haven't, I didn't really see that much, even when he was on the O, especially when he was on the O's. But with, I saw him obviously in the playoffs with the Astros, and that wasn't very, very, you know, good either. But yeah, you just hope, you know, these guys are able to put up enough runs. And look, again, more positives. Uh, I'm glad to see that Horner's doing well, Swanson, Hap, those main guys. And then you're going to add in Seiya a little bit later, right? That he, because he's, you know, he's close to playing some rehab games. I know he's been taking some, uh, or he's been playing some simulated games. So yeah. So hopefully he's going to come back soon and, and, and just add to the power and just add to that, that lineup. But yeah, mo- the most, the one thing I keep looking at is just the pitching and, and cause I like the guy I really genuinely like the guys in the rotation right now with smiley and steel. And it's just like, it's enjoy. You actually enjoy watching every five days, a guy out there. So uh, Gabe, have you heard anything from Cubs fans though, that either complaining yet or, or, or at least, or maybe excited yet when it comes to like, for example, Dan's because, I know for sure uh, I'm naming my first kid uh, Dansby. I don't really talk to Cub. <laughs> I don't really talk to Cub fans too tough outside of you saw doing the, the regular season. All right, so no, all right, no, so no, I, no I disrespect, but 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 I will say this though: Damn. when it comes to the Cubs, um, I'm just trying to figure out who they are and what is their identity. Like a few teams that I keep an eye on somewhat throughout the course of the year. You know, I see some young talent that's on the on the roster, but I'm trying to see guys take that next step. Who is that guy? You know, that 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 story will be told as the season goes along. But it's like when I look at the Cubs, I see a team that some days, as Chris alluded to, when the pitching is on, they can win some games. But when that pitching is not on, they look like a bottom feed. And this is a team that has, as you alluded to, saw reclamation projects who they can either cash in big on 
or seek to win with. But if they can't win with them and they can't cash in on them, then they just kind of stuck where they are. Where is that place? I don't know just yet, but it is they're in an interesting place to me. I think that, like I said, they have some young talent. Nick Madrigal, he's a guy who, as talented as he is, he's been known for committing a lot of blunders, be it in the field with his base running and even sometimes with his glove. And that is how you get out of the league faster than you stay in it. So I just got to see more from them, but they're a team that over the next couple of weeks I seek to watch a little bit more of after I'll probably get a synopsis in my own of my own rather on the, the events that are occurring on the South side. But right now I'm just trying to figure out who are they because I don't know, but it's, it's good to hear that Dansby Swanson is playing well and living up to the contract that he's got. I didn't expect anything different, especially with him being called upon to be a leader in a clubhouse who of players that don't really have the experience that he has outside of Cal Hendricks, who, as we know, is injured right now. Yeah, no, I mean, with, and with Dansby, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's like Chris said, I don't expect him to be this good the whole season. Right. But Hey, also what I was thinking, and this is just me just like fantasizing is like, what if, what if Dansby is able to, uh, or I, well, you know what, we'll call this like a, like a too early to call type thing where it's like overreaction. Right. Uh, but I, I hope may, maybe this this whole thing of him being the man right on the team uh, unlocks a certain part of Swanson we haven't seen yet, and he's able to do that. That's what obviously what I hope, improbable I think personally because I think they still need another player in there like a another star. Um, but never know. Um, and uh, we'll say uh, it was interesting to see uh, that Marcus Stroman was the first pitcher uh, to be called for the. Or to, to, for a violation, uh, he took a little too long. Uh, really, he, yeah, he's the first that. So it'll be, it'll be the the he'll be part of trivia forever as the first pitcher with a violation. Uh, so yeah, and it's, you know what? And it was one of those things where I I was talking to a couple people that had, weren't watching the game, and uh, and I will say one person that doesn't actually like Stroman. This is uh, is he's not a Cubs fan or a Sox fan, but he just doesn't. And I don't agree with that. Uh, obviously, he's, Stroman's my boy, but he was like, oh, did, Stro- did Stroman throw a fit? And I'm like, no, dude, he actually likes the rule. He doesn't mind the rule. <laughs> and, 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 and like, he actually like just played it off. Like he just kept going. He's just like, okay, well, whatever. I need next move on to the next. And I, I'd love to see that. Cause that's, that's how it's supposed to be not like, not like Machado, but we'll talk about Machado in a little bit. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, looking ahead now, I mean, we were talking about Texas, the Cubs are playing Texas, but at Wrigley. Um, and look, this is where the schedule actually uh, for the Cubs they actually have a hard schedule in April and maybe it's a lot of teams. Cause I know the schedule is a little different now. Right. But, and, and we'll look at a little bit of the white Sox one too, but now after, you know, they're not playing the reds anymore. That game from, from Wednesday, April 5th has been rescheduled to September 1st, but uh, the rest of the, the schedule in April, they play Texas at home. They play Seattle at home. Then they play the, at the Dodgers at the A's. I mean, it, it being on the West coast, we'll say, we'll say it's a little tough just for being there, but then uh, they come back home. Play the Dodgers for four, play the Padres for three, then they go at Miami, and then it calms down a little bit when they play at the Nats. Oh, that's in May already. But anyways, you get the point. It's it's it, they actually have a pretty tough. So I think look, I, I still like playing I, as as a fan of my team. I still like I rather have them play against good teams than bad teams. 
it's just always better to watch. Right. But uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting for sure. I mean, it'll, I think, I think uh, Gabe, I think for sure, I don't want to say for sure. I think you'll have a really good idea who the Cubs are at the end of April. I think because just because of the way that the schedule set up there is going to say a lot. But uh, other than that, uh, do you have something to say, Chris? Well, I was checking it out because I wanted to make a comparison. Mm -hmm. And the Sox have Pittsburgh after this as they're going on the road. But they finish out with the Giants, who, you know, weren't necessarily picked by anybody to finish first or or second in the Mm -hmm. the West. But they've obviously played tough, and they have a pretty good pitching staff. Then after Pittsburgh, they go to Minnesota. Oh, Um, no, yeah. They got Baltimore at home, Phillies at home, and then the Rays and, and the Blue Jays. So I, I want to check. Ooh, it's actually pretty stacked. No, you're right. The Rays and Blue Jays away yep. is, is, is tough. Like, And then you come I, back I home really, and place the Ray for – you guys play the Rays for four after that at home. Yeah, man. I, there's a lot. It's like I, I think that if there's anything the baseball got right, it's the – I don't know. I don't want to call it the balanced schedule, maybe the mm. global schedule, just getting that chance to play every single team. Uh, but I think the toughest part of it is that for this first – period of time they've had um one off day already and then they've got two off days until the end of the month and then may is another two off days so it's it's going to be kind of a, a run getting to june for the for the white yeah. Sox. you're right and i mean at least they, at least they have like a couple series i mean i'd say they're like they're actually look, look watching i've watched a couple royals games too and and uh they I, honestly they're like they're like one of those teams that it's fun they're fun to watch uh, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I feel like they're fun to watch, even though they're still like a couple years away or something. I gave your life. What do you, what do you think? I mean, I like watching Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah. I think he's a hell of a player to watch. I, I think he's very fun to watch. I Kansas City's a team, you know, they uh, when they play against teams in the division, they they compete very hard. Mm-hmm. But I I'm not sold on Kansas City. I'm not sold on Detroit. I, I expect them oh, to be no. at the bottom of the division when it's all said and done. Yeah. I think Kansas City is in a place where they're trying to figure out how they're going to build a winner similar to what they had during the Dayton Moore era back in 2015 and 2014 on the way to back-to-back American League pennants and winning the World Series in 15. So, and, and they haven't even they haven't been in the playoffs since they won the World Series in 15. But they, they got some guys that, that are young and fun, but I'm not really checking for them, you know, unless if I'm checking for Bobby Wood Jr. I'm just not. I just I was watching the game and like it was one of those things where I was like, okay, well, again, I'm not comparing them. I'm not saying like they're gonna be a playoff team, but I get you. But I look at I was like, Wood Jr., Melendez, Pasquantino. Sal Perez. Like it's like for for a team that's like yeah, for a team that's going to be bad this year, I feel like at least they got some they get they got some talent to watch, that's for sure out of there. I just and they got Greeky too, right? I mean, again, obviously. Uh Brady, but Brady Singer. Oh, Brady Singer. Yeah, I like Brady Singer. That's true too. I'm glad yeah. you I'm glad Brady you brought Singer up Brady Singer. A lot of potential. Yeah. yeah. I, remember I was I was riding the Amtrak down to St. Louis and listening to a, a Sox game. I think when the, it was 20 it was 21 when the Sox won the division. And Brady Singer was handcuffing them boys. And this was like the early part of the year when they were still riding the Ricky Renteria wave. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of potential, man. Yeah, he he does. reminds me, I felt about I feel about him the way I felt about Casey Mize uh, yeah. like three years ago. Mm-hmm. 
which I still have hope for Casey. That's like I hope he uh, he he kind of reminds me. Like, look, and I'm not saying he's gonna be this, but when he, yeah, when he was coming up like three years ago, as you're saying, Chris, I legit thought he was like a he seemed like a baby, like Garrett Cole kind of, where like mm-hmm. he had that that like grit, uh, through hard, like you know he has the you know uh, a plethora of pitches, but. Yeah, who knows what where he's at now? I think is how old is that guy? Probably like twenty eight or something yeah, like that. Uh, twenty? No, twenty. He's only twenty five. It's been three yeah. years. Oh, still. Oh, damn. Okay, yeah. I, th- yeah. I thought he was older for some reason. Did he but, have a? Did he have a Tommy John injury? Yeah, he, yeah. he did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's what kind of ruined the whole like. Not that the Tigers were going to be this this uh this good team a couple years ago, but they you know they were going to have like a healthy Mize, a healthy School Bowl, and you know it just didn't didn't work out because Mize was injured, and obviously you know yeah, but. Anyway, uh, now kind of moving on. We'll move on now to the to the Sox. Um, they again three and three start to the season. They tied uh, uh, with a series against the the Astros that was super entertaining. There, uh, two games apiece. Then they have the, they're playing a series against the Giants right now. They're tied at one apiece in that series. Um, but overall, it's been pretty impressive. Like, like in the sense of the for that series against the Astros, they could have easily won that series uh, when you really look at it. Uh, uh, you know, Juan Moncada, like, dude, that dude is raking right now. Uh, hopefully for you guys, that's that's gonna be you know the season for him. Maybe this is it right here. Uh, cease gonna cease because he's he really is uh, just doing what he does. I mean, he, you know, what? How many K's he had today? Nine, eight. eight? eight. Okay, yeah. So, uh, really liked also uh Giolito's uh, like the way the way he grind. He's been grinding out those starts. Uh, it's he's not. I don't think I don't think, and I think it's safe to say that he's not still not to where you want him to be, but he's, I feel like you still see a little bit of, I feel like every, every time I watch you a little pitch, you, he has like an inning or two where you're like, that's it. That's like the 20, what is it? 2019 Giolito. Uh, it's just, yeah, but hopefully it works out for him. Cause I love that guy. Um, and then uh, Jose Abreu just looks weird. And then the Houston Astros uh, colors uh, just, I don't know why. And then uh, I do want to get your guys' thoughts on Oscar Colas and how he's started off with, with the sack so far, but anyways, I'll, I'll back away a little bit. Gabe, what are your first, uh, you know, what are your initial thoughts on the sack so far, uh, six or seven days in now? My initial thoughts are, you know, they're in an okay place. Anytime you can split a series with the defending World Series champions, you will take it. Although I feel as though they could have easily won all four of those games, if not three out of four of those mm-hmm. games, if it wasn't for, you know, failure to execute with runners in scoring position if it wasn't for letting guys on base with walks that led to extra base hits that Houston cashed in on and rallied back into some games to not only take the lead but win, which they did in games two and three. I think if that, if you change that, that's a series where you could win three out of four games. I, I was impressed with the starting pitchers. I think the starting pitchers from top to bottom gave the Sox a, a great chance to win every ball game. The bullpen, they got work to do. Mm-hmm. I think everybody knows that. And it's no secret. Like I said, Kendall Graveman, what he did in the seventh inning in the second game of the year against Houston, you got a one-run lead. You walk in Martin Maldonado, no disrespect to Martin Maldonado. He's one of the best defensive catchers in the league. But everybody knows that he's the weak link of Houston's offense. And that's why he's batting at the bottom of the order. You just can't afford to walk guys like that 
because when you do and you get to the top of Houston's order, that's where you got your masters and, and your and your run producers. And that's what they did. I think going with Deekman in that in that specific matchup over Bummer, when you were looking for the lefty versus lefty matchup, I think that was an early season mistake by Pedro Gafal. But I think that's something that he'll learn from. And I think what Pedro's trying to do is just see how guys read and react to different situations. He's still trying to get an assessment in his roster. But I didn't agree with that move then, and I sure as hell don't agree with it now. And it's not because of the way the game ended in the loss, but, you know, when you're shorthanded already in the pen with guys like Crochet and Liam Hendricks, who, you know, thank God is cancer-free now, and, that you know, that's great news to hear, and he should be back rather soon. But it, it, it you, you can't afford to just, you know, keep playing around like that. You got to put your, your best guys up. When, when they had a chance. And when you have your top guy or one of your top guys in Graveman giving one of the best offenses in all of baseball, albeit without Altuve, albeit without Michael Brantley, um, free base runners, they're going to make you pay every time. But to me, it's all about executing on the offensive end, staying disciplined at the plate, not putting together shitty at-bats, which is what we saw them do on opening night. And thank goodness, you know, for the performance of Dylan Cease, because if not for that, they're not in that ball game. But it's, the, it's still some things that Cease needs to clean up. And I think we saw that today. Even though he struck out eight, he walked five. And he wasn't able to gather a quality start. Granted, he was pitching with flu-like symptoms, but I'm pretty sure if you talk to him behind the scenes and ask him could he have did a little better or if he thought his performance could have been better, he'd probably tell you that. Because that's the next step that Dylan Cease needs to take in order to grow as a true ace in this league. Yeah, no, and, and look, you made a great point because we talked about this last year as to, uh, you know, that's that's if Cease has any weaknesses, it's the walking. I think that's like, because you, you ask any, I think you ask any starting pitcher, right? The One of the things he doesn't want to do is, is just walk guys. I think I, I almost feel like sometimes you'd rather almost give up a hit then walk a guy. That's my guess. But the way they talk about it, right? And like, uh, I feel like that's what's been the separator for Cease of like being, you know, even though he's elite now, if he if he doesn't walk anybody, I mean, I mean, he's probably the best pitcher in the league at that point because that's just it's ridiculous, right? So yeah, that, that's probably what I thought. Also, you were talking about that game where the, you know one of the games are the, the games that could have won. Yeah, that, that second that second game of the series where uh, Jordan Alvarez cleared the bases on, on Diekman. I mean, that was one of those things where, I don't know about you, but Diekman coming in to, to face Alvarez, I, I kind of had that feeling where I was like, this dude's probably going to get a hit out right here. Because it felt like, uh, if you guys remember the Mariners and the Astros uh, uh, ALDS when uh, when Robbie Ray came in and uh, and Alvarez and hit that walk-off home run, that's what it felt like. It's just like, th this dude, th it doesn't matter if it's a lefty or a righty in there, or like, Alvarez is just, a, he's such a beast. So, yeah. Anyways, Chris, what has been your impression of the Sox so far? Uh, I watched an interesting John Boy media video on that particular moment. And it did, it was funny because they, you know, John Boy goes in depth about things. And he talked about walking Maldonado first. His next point was to Ben Intendi letting that uh, bloop single drop in because I, I didn't get to see that game with the sound on. But he had the impression, he felt like everybody he was watching the game with and the, 
you said the announcers. I don't know if it was the Houston announcers or the Chicago announcers. Felt like Ben Nintendo could have made that play. And just showing him on the on the replays, he was talking to himself like he could have made that play. He evidently, um, from, according to Jimmy's interpretation, he said that it was uh, Ben Nintendo was kind of thrown off by the short the short fence in left field with the Crawford boxes, and mm-hmm. he was playing a little odd in a little odd spot where he didn't feel like he is in the right spot. That being said, I'm most concerned about the bullpen because mm-hmm. I agree. I agree with Gabe. Pedro Griffol is still trying to get a feel for the roster. The the hitters, the everyday position players, for the most part, have done fairly well. But the big keys have been hitting with runners in scoring position, which is not good right now. And to me, I I just I really want to see the White Sox do something that aligns with the best teams in the rest of the league when the bases are fucking loaded. Until today's game, they were 0 for 10 with the bases loaded. Yep. 10 chances. Yep. No walks, no sacrifice flies, no hits, and six strikeouts. I was so enthused by the fact that Yoan got a single with the bases loaded. And, you know, actually, no, let me run that back. I expect Yoan right now to get a single with the bases loaded. The way he's hitting, yeah. he took uh, what it looked like a fairly tough pitcher on a day with a wide strike zone and odd conditions, and he took a low sinker and hit it right where you want to hit it. Gavin Sheets getting a single with the bases loaded really warmed my heart. But I still need to see <laughs> this team elevate elevate like i know that there's been contention and discussion and disconcertion over how the white Sox approach at bats and i think there's still something to them not swinging at every first pitch no matter how pitches are doing they need to be they can still be more selective in when they take the first pitch and when they swing at the first pitch but when you get the balls up high line drives they're hitting more line drives but elevate elevate hit these balls out of the ballpark man there there's some they've had some home runs but they, I want to see this team really start hitting the ball out of the ballpark or at least hitting it hard and deep with runners in scoring position, with men on second and third, with the bases loaded. Until as such time as I see them really start hitting when the bags are full and making it look like they are the ones who are um, not under – they're putting pressure on the other team rather than it looks like all the pressure in the world is on them, I don't know what's going on. And then the bullpen, it, Jake Diekman is not here. Jake Diekman is not it. Jake Diekman is not that guy. They, they they took out, and then Pedro Griffol took out Aaron Bummer today with two outs, even though he hadn't necessarily pitched his best, and brought in Reynaldo Lopez. And we know Reynaldo's not a closer. I think he has the potential to be a setup man, but he's still learning his way around a relief role. And that was really, it really fucking nervy in a three-run game bringing in Reynaldo Lopez when he could not find the strike zone. These guys are just not really finding the strike zone on a consistent basis. I There's a baseball book I have from the 40s, and there's a scene in it where a guy gets sent down. All, it's a Dodgers book, so he gets sent down to the Montreal Royals, and the owner's in his office is like, you are either you can't or you're too afraid to hit that, first, hit that strike zone with your first two pitches anymore. And you know what they did? They sent him down to AAA. That's what I need to see. I cannot stand watching guys get to a 2-0 count and then have to battle back. You can't do that in this league anymore. You can't. Moneyball changed the game. 
guys are looking to get on base however they possibly can. And if you get them to a 2-0 count, either they're going to know that a heater's coming or that you're still going to nibble the edge of the strike zone looking for a swing and miss. Like, we're in a swing and miss and walk league. And guys right now are so confident about walking on the White Sox, it's disgusting. Pittsburgh needs to be a sweep. I know this might sound like an overreaction, but the Pirates aren't going to be doing anything this mm-hmm. year. Sox have to go in there. They have to They have to make Rich Hill think about retirement, bro. Like, I, that man is old. <laughs> that man needs to think about his pension. The White Sox need to make him think <laughs> twice about suiting up again this year. Until such point in time as they are like, people are like, you, you get, you're getting all the hits in the world, but you're not scoring runs like that. That's all I got. <laughs> but, but Gabe, I know you want to say something real quick, but all I want to say about the Pirates real quick is, is just watch. Something like some dude, I, like, is is <laughs> like I don't, look. No. Hey, Cabr- Brian Hayes is good though. He's he's good. Uh, sure. O'Neill Cruz too. Oh, oh yeah, O'Neill Cruz. Oh. My bad, my fault. The one guy should be the one for the one guy. Richard Rich should be talking about because he hits the ball like, a million <laughs> miles an hour. Uh, so yeah, but you're right. It should it should be a sweep, but it's one of those things where it's just classic, classic Central Baseball. It doesn't matter who it is. It's like, <laughs> but sorry, Gabe. Go ahead. You wanted to add to his point. I mean, Chris makes excellent points, especially when it comes to the runners in scoring position. And to add to his point on that, you take the the White Sox most recent win prior to this recording against the Giants winning seven to three. They were seven for twelve with runners in scoring position. And that was the story of the game to me. You talk about Gavin Sheets coming through with a single. He also came through with an RBI double. Both of his RBIs coming in two out situations. I think he was huge today in the absence of Eloy Jimenez. And they're going to need that continuously yep. from him, no matter how they play this D8 situation, which I believe Pedro Gafar will be seeking to platoon him alongside of Jake Berger in that DH role who was just called up from AAA Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So if they can do that on a consistent basis, I don't think they'll have any issues winning games. As far as Raylo. And, you know, the jam and situation mm-hmm. he got himself in today, I was proud of the way that he was able to get out of it and that, you know, he didn't quit and he was eventually able to locate the strike zone. You hope that that's a confidence booster for him moving forward. And I give kudos to the bullpen for holding the fort down in that game specifically, minus Joe Kelly. If they could continue to do that, then things can be on the up and up for them. And, yeah, Pittsburgh is definitely a series where you have to take care of business. You definitely want to close out San Francisco on the right note, but I I was impressed with the way that they bounced back from an opening day game that was a a disaster, you know, to put it nicely, where it looked like Kopech just couldn't Mm -hmm. really find his groove and not only find his groove, he never really even sought to mix it up, really, because everything was fastball, 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 And he's going to have to get to a point in his career where he learns that you can't just overpower guys all the time. You got to find a way to add some finesse to your pitching game. You know, whether that's with your off speed, such as your change up, your slider and all of that. And things will come for you in due time. But when I, when I look at the Sox and the road coming up, yeah, they got a tough road, but I like for the most part that guys are hitting but it's all about just executing with the runners and scoring position because when you don't do that, you're not going to give your ch- yourself a chance to win. I don't give a damn who you plan, whether it's the Pittsburgh Pirates 
or the Houston Astros. Yeah, and 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 you know what you you br- brought up uh, Reynaldo Lopez, and I was like, you know, if he was gonna, how about this? I wanted to ask you guys about him in general. I know he's obviously Liam Hendricks is coming back sooner rather than later, which is awesome. Uh, but if you if you guys had Lopez as your closer for two months, is that something you guys would feel comfortable with, or what have you guys seen from him? Like in these these first uh, few games, like do you think he he would be okay in, for like a couple months? I trust him. Okay. And the only reason why I say I trust him is when he's locating that fastball, guys can't catch up with it. The only mm. problem I had with Raylo thus far in the games in which he has closed, specifically the game that I caught, which was open at night against Houston, was him getting too cute with Jordan Alvarez leaving a slider up when you had that fastball working and he could catch up to it. You know, there's no need mm-hmm. to get cute and mix up your pitches. Now, today, the slider proved to be his best pitch until he eventually wiped out um, Peterson with a fastball when he found a way to locate it inside the strike zone. But earlier throughout, you know, his day, he was struggling locating his zone with the four-seamer. So the slider was working today. But usually the fastball is is his bread and butter. But I, I trust Raylo for the short term. I think eventually he's going to become an all-star closer in the league. I do believe that. But is like for a two-month stretch, I can. But I think it will be closer by committee. And I think when Gary Crochet comes back, that's going to give Pedro Grafal another option, an option that he needs immediately especially when this White Sox bullpen only has two other lefties besides him and Aaron Bummer and Jake Diekman, who I don't think any Sox fan is able to sleep well at night knowing that they're on the mound in a close game. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, 100% agree with that. It's Yeah, Jake Diekman has been, has been rough. I know he had like a couple of good seasons back in the day, but damn, I mean, he's been, yeah, he's usually not on a good team. So, like, that's one of those things. It's like he should not be on the Sox, a team that's like trying to compete, trying to get, to get into the postseason. But, Chris, do you agree with any of those sentiments, though, of what he said about uh, Lopez and just in general of, like, uh, well, just in, I mean, he said he eventual all-star. I like that take. Uh, what do you think, Chris? I think he's got the potential for it. Uh, and I like Raylo's temperament in general. Like, he is a, he's, a, he's a fiery competitor and not afraid to display it, like not afraid to put his emotions out there. And I think that he's given that closer role, at least for the first uh, the first series of the year. And he took it on. He took it on. That being said, I just it, Gabe said when he's when he's locating that fastball, it just we don't see him locating the fastball as much as you want, especially for a closer. Like the slider, his slider is good. It's it's not the best slider on staff, but it's top like top 20%, I think, for the White Sox pitching staff. His slider, when it's on, it's re- it, even his fastball moves a lot. He got a, he got a swinging strike on Jock Peterson to end the inning today on a riding fastball that tailed away, and that was really the first good fastball I'd seen him throw the at-bat. But when he's got that fastball going, it's really, really good. He could just go fastball slider and be a solid closer or setup man. But I think I would be more trusting of him as a setup man than a guy like Aaron Bummer. Because we've seen in the past Aaron Bummer have that big sweeping breaking ball and a plus sinker. And 
I don't know about anybody else. I'm still more comfortable with a closer who can get bad swings and bad balls in play rather than just going for strikeouts because yeah. Liam Hendricks, as good as he is and as great of a person as I feel him to be, we saw it in 2021 when he gets balls up, guys can hit home runs off of him. Mm-hmm. They can be bone crushing game tying or go ahead home runs. Love Mike Cameron. Daz Cameron is not that dude, but he hit a two run homer off <laughs> Liam Hendricks. You know, I, I wouldn't want to see Ray Lowe's closer for two months, a month. I'm good with if he, if I see him really take that role head on and just start closing things down, then I will fully say I'm wrong and go forward another month. But right now I don't, I don't want to see him as closer. I, Aaron Bummer does some things that still baffle me sometimes. And it, his expressions, it looks like it baffles him too. But I would still rather see him closing over Reynaldo Lopez at this point. And yes, please get Jake Deesman out of here. Get Joe <laughs> Kelly out of here now that you mention it. For a dude yeah, that talks, I agree. For a dude that talks as much as he does, he is hella yep. good. <laughs> it's, yeah. a lot of relievers. it's a lot of relievers right now in the White Sox who I think over these next few weeks, they they – they pitching for their jobs. Yes. Straight up. They, they, mm-hmm. they really are because yeah. once Garrett Crochet comes back and once Liam Hendricks, who might I add, was only placed on a 15-day disabled list and there's no timetable for his return in the wake of this recent news that he's cancer-free, you know, if he can come back a little bit sooner within the next couple of weeks or to a month, we may not even be seeing Renardo Lopez get this closer role for a month. We mm-hmm. we don't we don't we don't know the status of Liam right now. It, it could easily be Raylo right now, and it could be Gary Crochet a, a couple weeks later. So we 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 don't know. But as far as right now, I think Raylo's the best reliever in the pen, and I think it re- as a result of that, we're gonna see him close games, and we just gonna have to live and die with the results. And I think this is something that a lot of White Sox fans had to have known after the recent events surrounding Liam Hendricks over the last several plus months, because there was nobody who really outside of him and crochet that I could fully trust in that role. Unless if you was going to move Michael Kopech back to the bullpen. I I still think Bummer's a guy who could do, who could at least hold it for a, a while. Just, we've seen him pitch like that. Um, there's, there's a clip from that Eloy Jimenez walk off at Wrigley Field. Bummer, this was when the Cubs were still a solid squad. And Bummer held them down. We've seen him struggle re- in the past, recent past, but he's still got that stuff. And that sweeping slider for lefties, I don't think of him as just a platoon guy. I think he can, he can make pitches to right-handed pitchers. The problem is the same with him and Ronaldo. I think he just has a better handle on his control. Yeah. But 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 you know what's funny though is like Yaz has a tough time catching Bummer mm. with those sliders and those balls in the dirt. We saw that firsthand on opening night. That's how the Astros scored their first run on a wild pitch. And I think that has to factor in is the maybe why we haven't seen Bummer getting that closing role. Because when you got the bases loaded, you know, you can't afford for a ball to go in the dirt. And, and Yaz, who we know has been below average defensively throughout the majority of his career behind the plate, 
is a liability. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, I don't remember that Eloy Jimenez home run for some reason. I don't know what. No. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> but can't no, help I... but remember his song. Y'all yeah, gave he, him to it. He he broke his bat. Pedro Strope was pitching. Go on, man. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Oh like, man, I'll, so I'll, I'll forever, it. I'll forever be, I'll be eighty years old, and I'll always be salty about that Quintana trade. I don't care what anybody tells me. I know the the whole like people are like, oh, it was a good trade at the time, or like I was. Hey, and look, coming from me, I guess saying a lot because I was at the game where Quintana probably pitched his best game as a Cub, which was uh, NLDS Game Three against uh, uh, Scherzer, where he pitched his ass off. So credit to him there, yes. But man, Cease and Jimenez, oh. My goodness. But anyways, anyway, Chris, you made a good point, though. You actually said about uh, Raylo and how you don't like uh, guys that are just trying to strike out, uh, closers that are just trying to strike out uh, uh, batters. That You know who that reminds me of is a closer I'm not a fan of uh, as a player is Jordan Romano. I think mm, I think Jordan I Romano said that you don't like him. Yeah, no, Jordan Romano, I think he's like they like they hype him up for some reason. Maybe just because like he had a winning they had a winning season with him over there. But He's just the type of guy that he looks like he's just trying to strike out everybody. And and we've seen it against, like, Judge and, you know, teams, you know, like the Yankees and all that. He eventually just throws a cookie down the, down the middle of the strike zone because he just – trying. it looks like he's just trying to throw 105 miles an hour half the time, and he's, it's only hitting, like, 98. So it's like, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's it, Those guys do make me nervous for sure. And it's like not that, uh, uh, you know, Kenley was dominant for a long time. But that's what kind of also what Kenley looks like now, where like he he looks like again like the the, the cutter is flatter, and so he throws a lot more meatballs in there too. But I mean he's getting older, so it makes sense. But that's the yeah, it just it just kind of things where it, may, it does make you nervous overall. Is but yeah, a good thing again on the injury side, as you said, uh, gave that uh, Liam Hendricks is cancer free, so that's good to hear, and, and he'll be coming back sooner rather than later. On the negative side though, Eloy Jimenez is going to be out for two to three weeks with that hamstring injury. So yeah, we're gonna see more of of uh, that means more of sheets, correct? Right, more sheets in the outfield. And is is uh, the reason that they brought up Burger? I forget. He does he play any type of outfield, or is it just in straight strictly? In- Burger will never play the outfield. Okay, so make sure. Oh, Burger, make sure. Burger, Burger <laughs> is a third sure. baseman, and, and they <laughs> yeah, were put they were giving him reps at first base uh-huh. during spring training in the games that I watched. What you will see is you're gonna see sheets and Burger more than likely yeah. platooning. Okay, okay. But you know, getting back on Raylo in defense of him, Raylo didn't give up too many home runs last mm-hmm. year. Matter of fact, he never gave up a home run in relief duty until August. And I remember it was in Cleveland in the in the first game of that series in August against Cleveland that they lost. But so uh, and I believe Stephen Kwan of all people would, was the guy that Homer off of. <laughs> so, you know, it it it, 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 it he, a guy, yeah, when he loses his command, he's he can walk a lot of guys and keep guys on base, you know, but for the most part, he finds a way to get out of jams. And I think he's transitioned very well from being a starter to a reliever, which for some pitchers who are of the mindset that they're going to be a starter their whole career, that's not always easy to do. So I give him mm-hmm. kudos and credit for that. Oscar Colas is a guy who's impressed me a lot too. You know, yeah. five for 14 through his first three games. Mm-hmm. I don't know why a lot of people were worried about him. The dude played professional ball before he came to the States. All he needed was just a year of time to get adapted to the States. And 
showed out in AAA, and I'm a firm believer that if you can hit in Birmingham, you can hit in anywhere, uh, in any ballpark. So kudos to Oscar Colas, who I think sooner or later you're going to start seeing that power that you saw in the minors a season ago start to translate at the big league level. Yeah, and 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 uh, Chris, I want to hear a little bit about what you think about uh, Oscar Colas, but I like the way he plays the game. He, I feel like he fits in with guys like Tim Anderson, where like they're just out there having like just a grand old time. And uh, I know he made a like a maybe I think it was like a shoestring catch or something like the other day, and he just had this big old smile on his face. Love to see that. So, Chris, yeah, yeah. what what have your what has been your impressions on, on Oscar? Um, I think he's gonna have some growing pains with breaking stuff, um, but. I, that might be a function of the socks, just the way that they're swinging through sliders and swinging over the top mm -hmm. of those low sliders. But I've liked what I've seen from him. I've liked what I've liked his approach at the plate. I've liked what I, it looks, he looks poised. I think in terms of right fielders, you, it was always going to be an upgrade. It was always going to be an upgrade over Vaughn and Sheets in right field, but he made that play. I think that was, that had to be the game against Houston. And he came up and he was roaring. And I felt like Luis Robert was coming up like, he was smiling, but I felt like it was kind of like the, hey, you know, we got 160 left. You got to keep it cool. You know, <laughs> it's a long season. But I like that. I like that he's excited to be here. Um, I don't think he's going to be rookie of the year, but I would like, I, I think he will be a guy that people are talking about as the season goes along. Like, oh, do you have an outside shot? You know, is he a guy that could possibly contend for that slot? Could he could he put a scare in the your presumptive rookie of the year? One of those kind of guys. And one of the best the biggest things for me on a team that's already struck out 99 times. Or sorry, whoa, no. Woo. I, mean, <laughs> I, I looked at something earlier and I thought the Sox had 11 walks and 99 strikeouts. It's 44. My glasses. Oh, okay. <laughs> but he's only struck out. I think out you're looking, I think you're looking at you're looking at Eric Hosmer's numbers, I think. <laughs> you know. After after hearing the way Talk Harrelson hyped him up his rookie season, I'm all good. I'm all good. <laughs> Eric Hosmer's always just gotten on my nerves. Um, but yet, Grandall has two strikeouts. Vaughn and Andrews have three strikeouts, and Oscar Colas and Andrew Benintendi have four strikeouts. So you're seeing veteran guys who guys who you expect to have strikeouts. Juan, I think, will never kick that habit, and some of that is not on him. Some of that is just on umpires. But I mm -hmm. like the fact that Colas has not gotten rung up a lot so far. That that might change. You know, at some point, guys just pitches figure you out. But he seems like a guy who will be able to adapt. And that's the most the, uh, that's the most praise you can give hitters. The best hitters are able to adapt. We saw that with Jose Abreu this whole time. The fact that he got better as the game went on in the later innings in the era where relievers were paid to get in there, strike you out, and really just throw heat. And um, not that I'm comparing Oscar to Jose at this time, but I think he's a guy who will be able to adapt to the next starting pitcher and the next starting pitcher and the next pitcher. I like what I've seen. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, as we kind of alluded to earlier or talked about is, uh, you know, the rest of the, uh, the week for the Sox, you know, they play the rest of the series against the Giants. Uh, then they play uh, at Pittsburgh. It, real quick on the pits on the whole Pittsburgh thing, they, their first. Did you guys see the game one start time or no? It's three twelve p.m. Wow! <laughs> it reminds me of a good old. I, I was a fan of this, by the way. Uh, for the record, I'm gonna say this. I don't know about you guys because you're Sox fans. I was a fan of that seven eleven time start time. I thought it was kind of cool. Did. I did like that. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> it's kind of cool. felt like you got a little bit more time to get to the ballpark. <laughs> you did. <laughs> you did because the games used to start at 705. Right. Yeah, true. Oh, yeah, there you go. You know, that that those were always the times that the game started was at 705. And I'm I'm still kind of used to those times, even though they don't start at those times anymore. They give you an extra five minutes, and that's cool. But yeah, three three twelve, yeah, that's that's gonna be an interesting one to try and get up for <laughs> if you're you a player or even if you're a fan. Yeah, well, and then come to think of it, in Pittsburgh, it's going to be 412, so it's, yeah. But, oh, yeah, that's wow. weird. Yeah, and then, yeah, and it's, well, well, on the to- well, on the topic of... Is it of, April 12th? Is that why? Is it on April 12th? No, no, no it's a- April 7th, that one is. Okay, I was like, I wow. <laughs> I don't But, no, on the topic, on the topic of, uh, of start times, yeah, like the Cubs 640, they've been doing that for, like, a few years now. Makes no sense, but... I don't 640? get it. Yeah, yeah. But you you, know, know, you haven't but noticed but the you know why was? they're doing that, though. No. I don't, oh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, you know, what it was. The, the reason why they're doing that, from what I was reading, uh-huh. across the majors, they're trying to make it accessible for kids who are still in school to watch these games. And I think for, like, people that are getting off of work, or whatever like that, who want to take their family to games and whatnot, because as the season progresses, the start times for night games actually get later. That's true. They, they, yeah, that's true. And this is something that they've tinkered an experiment with for at least the last couple of years. I'm not oh, okay. in favor of it personally, mm-hmm. but this is what they've tried to do, I guess, because of kids having school times. And, they, and, and even if they're not at the game, they want to at least make it accessible for them to watch from home at an earlier time i guess that that makes sense and all but 20 minutes like yeah i, I don't get it either. <laughs> the, the time that like i'm cool with the idea but like the time wise like it, why don't just make the game at six then or like 5 30 i don't know that's just me 5 30 no, 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 that would be that's tough that, that's tough because you got to think about this all true, true. most of these mlb teams and they home ballparks lie within the central business district. yeah true and then you just getting off of work yeah you're right you're right but no i mean it's, it's just think about more of a rounder time but i get what you're saying yeah 640 is like come on but anyways <laughs> i i, I would have liked the 530 game when i was in grade school oh yeah, was, yeah true i think yeah, a lot you're, of you're right yeah grade school yeah for kids yeah yeah man uh, definitely don't like those eleven thirty-five ones. That, but I look today. I was today. I was watching it because, or I was gonna watch it because I was in class. I was like, I'll throw it on in the background on my while we're out in class. I'm still paying attention. I can pay attention. Uh, so, uh, but of course, we were talking about the the Pirates. They've won three in a row. Uh, they're they're four and two. But uh, still, I don't want that. Doesn't mean anything. I think you guys will, will fare well there. Um, but kind of uh to finish off, we'll we'll talk touch a little bit on a couple other things that have happened in the league. And I'll name them off, and then you, whatever you guys want to say, whichever one you want to pick to, to talk about, to talk on, um, go ahead. But uh, some of the things that we talked about a little bit already was a great start for uh, for the Twins with Joey Gallo in there. Obviously, it being the central, I'm curious what you guys think about that. Uh, we talked a little bit about the clock and how it's been uh, with the Machado ejection. You know, I will say my opinion on that is whether you think it's an overreaction or not by the umpire there. Uh, it's the rule. The rules a rule, and I think that that with Machado taking forever there, uh, it's kind of like one of those things where that's why they made the rule because it kind of took for it kind of took like the Pete Alonso thing getting back to first base the the fr- first couple days. I understand a little bit of the outrage there, um, but when you got a guy like Manny Machado who literally like leaned back and then he was like doing something with his 
gloves. And I'm like, come on, man. It's really why they made the rule. <laughs> but um, anyways, and then uh, Sandy Alcantara, like just, of course, doing what he does. Even he had another great start today. Um, like you could easily go back to back with that Cy Young. And then uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this today because it, it, it came out today, but uh, Oliver uh, Marmol from the manager for the Cardinals called out uh, Tyler O'Neill for his lack of effort. He called it unacceptable. It was a play where uh, there was base hit in the right and O'Neill was on second and he was uh, he was not in a hurry whatsoever to come home. And uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, threw him out easily. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the, the, he, you know, the, the Cardinal skipper was not happy with that whatsoever. Tyler O'Neill though, uh, as if it is a Cubs fan, I'm enjoying this, you know, the drama uh-huh. and it got, even, <laughs> and it got even spicier, uh, because uh, Tyler O'Neill, when they asked him about, you know, about the whole benching, oh, cause they benched him today. Uh, he, he said that he, it all started well, like his comments were like, oh yeah, he, like he, you know, he, he prides himself on being like a guy that hustles a lot, whatever, whatever. And then he finished it off by saying, he, he, you know, that those conversations could have been kept, could have, could have been kept in in house. So he's like, you know, and, and I'm not saying he's, you know, he's he's right or wrong there, but again, stirs the pot a little more. So you know, the plot thickens. But anyways, any 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 other <laughs> any any of those ones that you guys want to want to talk on? We gave any of those uh, or any of those things stand out to you and or you have thoughts on? I have to see what happened yeah. with Machado. I really do. This mm-hmm. isn't his first rodeo with that. Cause if I'm not mistaken <laughs> yeah. in spring training, he stepped out the box and he got a strike called on him. And he was one of the first guys, you know, who has shown basically through video evidence with that incident in spring training. that it's going to take him a while to get adjusted to these new rules because he, he loves yeah. to take his time, you know, in the box or whatever, mm-hmm. but Sandy Alcantara doing what he do no, that don't shock me at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's a pitcher who I appreciate a great deal in today's game because in an era where, you know, you don't see too many guys going over six consistently, he does it, and he takes pride in it. And you're not going to see too many pitchers that pitch over 200 innings in a season in this time of baseball, but with him, you you have to expect it at this point. And the stuff that he has is so elite. And I, I to this day, I don't understand how St. Louis let not only him go, but Adolis Garcia, guys that were prized prospects once upon a time in the Cardinals organization. And a Rosarena. And, and, yeah, and, and Randy Rosarena as well. So... You know, like to, for them to commit those type of blunders and, and, and me being a guy that loves the St. Louis Cardinals and the Atlanta Braves, I just I don't I don't get how they how they did that. But Miami got a gym. They got a gym with him and hopefully they could build a winner around him because he to me has become the face of their franchise. And in the wake of everything that that franchise went through, you know, with the death of Jose Fernandez. They finally got an ace now with uh, Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, man, I, it's one of those things where you just, you know, what could have been right with Jose Fernandez? Who, knows where, he, who yeah. knows where he would have been now? And like, hey, you never know. He could have still been part of that, you know, as a vet in Absolutely. that rotation with, uh, I mean, the Marlins could have been a whole different team. I just think about it. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, you, you, you did, uh, you make some good points there. I mean, he's, 
he's so good and uh he is like a breath of fresh air compared to like a lot of the guys in the league and the way he pitches and the way he does his thing and he's so reliable but uh chris anything else any or anything of uh any of the topics that stand out to you for uh the ones that i mentioned that cardinals thing is 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 really interesting because Previously, you saw the Cardinals not be buttoned up, but we've talked about mm. them. They're a boring team, and they're boring by design. Things like that course, happen. They're taken care of quickly and quietly. They're <laughs> like they replace cats like Stepford Wives, like um, or what was it like Bossing uh, Say when they had uh, Julie and they had another Julie ready on deck the next day when she started asking questions. That's what the Cardinals are. They're like you, you don't, you don't toe the line. We're replacing you with insert baseball player here. And for Tyler O'Neill to say, come out and say that after his manager talked about him, he was like, I, I, I think you would expect to see it in sports. There, there are managers who are willing to go to the press and just talk openly with the press. Like, hey, we, don't, we expected more from him in this situation. But we didn't really see that from the Cardinals, not that I can recall. And so they've been going, they've been kind of going through it over the past few years since Tony La Russa decided to retire. Um, and never manage another baseball game again. Um, and I, for my part, I do. I like it too. I, I've got I've got some friends down Peoria who are Cardinals fans, but and they're my <laughs> friends. But they they get that they got that Yankee mm-hmm. syndrome, man. And so there's just signs, <laughs> bro. And I, I I'm good with it because not only that, whether he was joking or not, I, I saw a quote from Miles Michaelis saying that Lars Newtbar shouldn't bring his medal in the clubhouse, and there's a bunch of guys in there who would not be, like, good with him bringing the medal in the clubhouse. That is the most <laughs> old man. Wait, wait, no. I will say. Perfect thing I've ever heard. <laughs> wait, I will say this. I will say this, actually, uh, uh, Chris. On that, uh, I actually watched the, the interview, and he was messing around. He even was like, no, nah, Okay. Nah. Yeah, yeah. It's just a classic. No, but, it, but, but look, you brought bring up a good point. It's one of the classic things that you see, like, sports like um uh, some sports pages certain ones always do it too it's like the score or something else like oh, i forgot what it, it is. was like a, it wasn't mlb but it was like yeah or something yeah, they yeah. Looked at the quote and put it in a graphic and i was yeah, like yeah. Did you really, did you really say this? it's always yeah it's always like that right they always do that and, and yeah i don't blame you like they just when you see it because it happens to me all the time too i look at it and i'm like you know what i'm gonna watch the interview just see how he said it because my uh, miles Nicholas actually he said it and then he was like, no, nah, no, nah. it's like, and then he went out to say like, you know, like he did great over there with Japan. And all uh, that. But uh, no, yeah. No, I apologize to the dude. Cause I had no problem. <laughs> I like Miles Michaels. I yeah, yeah. And then I saw that and I was like, did he get, did he fall into his trap? Like, is he, <laughs> is he a full on Cardinal now? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It's, it's, I, oh, I yeah. think it's interesting. I think it's interesting yeah. because they, they did not get where they wanted with their previous manager. I just remember that. I'm the Cardinals fans. I being friends with them. You see people talk on Facebook, and you just talk to them, and they were not, they were not enthused with previous manager, and so they had to make a change. But if there's if some cracks are showing, then maybe we have exited that era where they just somehow, some way, and when you talked about those prospects that they let go who have become stars, bona fide stars. Sandy Alcantara, by the way, is already number nine all time in, in Marlins war, which is ridiculous. Like, I know it's a little weighted more heavily for starting pitchers, but that's ridiculous. That's wild. Um, maybe with some cracks in the foundation that are showing. Like, the Cardinals won't be able to bring up insert player here in August, and he's going to be all world. Joe Random. Yeah, I swear, it literally doesn't matter who they bring up. It's ridiculous. Brennan Donovan, like, Lars Nupar, respect. He 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 played his ass off in the World Baseball Classic. 
respect went a little bit up. But like you watch a guy like look and Tom Tommy Edmond is good. He's a good player. But like when he came up, I'm like, there's no way. Like this dude, come on, this guy. And then he just goes off, and I'm like, of course this guy goes off. Surprisingly, and it's always the guys that they expect to go off that don't actually like Dylan Carlson for for example, who has not really uh, been the player they expected him to be uh, so far. But yeah, hopefully, hey, hopefully you're right, Chris is correct. So I, I'm surprised that he gave it. He gave said he likes the Cardinals. That's a story for another. We could keep that. I, I I like the Cardinals for one because, <laughs> I mean, one they was always a rival of the Cubs. They mm. won. Albert Pujols. You know they have a very rich history, and true, I true. grew up. You know with a, a lot of Atlanta Braves games on national television oh, with right. TBS. You know, every weekend when mm -hmm. the White Sox weren't really playing well, those were the two teams that I always watched. Mm -hmm. And with them being so close to the Chicagoland area and with my father, you know, being an SIU grad and seeing that they had a constituency at Carverdale, it was kind of like, you know, why not follow this team? And mm -hmm. with La Russa having Sox ties previously, to me, to me, the Cardinals have always been the Major League Baseball in my lifetime, what the Spurs are to the NBA. They always drafted well. They always developed talent well. And I always respected that. They weren't trying to be the flashy team, but even though they were a small market team, they felt like a big market team with all the stars that they had. And, I mean, even with La Russa leaving, they've had some good years under their managers, such as Matheny and Schilt, but – it's an expectation to win in St. Louis. And I've always respected that with those fans. And it's a baseball town. And it's, it's one of the few towns that you will ever see in professional sports in the major leagues where they don't have any other major sports franchise to really share space with them outside of the blues. And we all know that hockey isn't as popular of a game in America as it is in Canada. So, I've always just been a, a, a avid admirer of what they've been able to build there. Yeah, and there's some chinks in the armor. I'll say that, especially after looking at the way that they let those guys walk. I think the death of Oscar Tavares played a role in that as well, mm -hmm. who was a prized prospect for them. Oh. And, you know, hopefully Jordan Walker can rise up to the bar and live up to, to the hype for them as well, who I think is a very tremendous young talent, you know, to watch. At least he was on a minor league level. It remains to be seen what he does at the show, but I know he has a lot of intrigue and interest amongst fans there. Yeah. No, and you're right. I mean, they definitely have a, a rich history, unfortunately, for the Cubs. Uh, but, <laughs> hey, I will say this. No matter what, though, who who owns that postseason record or, or who has a better postseason record against each other? And that one, or has that one or, or has that win? Sorry, I should say the That's one true. postseason series win, the Cubs, baby. I know, and I, I know that was a big deal for you guys. I, I remember that very well. That, that, was, oh, a, that yeah. was a big deal for you guys. So I, I, I give you, you guys credit on that one. Yeah, no, I was like, oh, that, that for real. It's like the, with the Cardinals fans. I have a friend that's a Cardinals fan, and like anytime he tries to like, you know, say something to me about what I don't know, I'm just like 2015. But, but, but anyways, uh, I'll finish. I'll finish off with this. Uh, we, we're talking about Tyler O'Neill, uh, and I'll play a clip of it so you guys can hear it. I feel like this dude sounds like Bruce Wayne. I'm just going to continue to get my work in, get my reads in, um, make sure I'm getting the right jump off the bat and, and cutting the corners as good as I can. Also, if you um, just look at him, too, when he's talking. Best effort every time. Um, you know, I came up, I got up through the minor leagues and into the big leagues, playing hard, and playing scrappy. And like, I don't know, if you told me that Tyler O'Neill, because he also, for all those who don't know, he also is jacked. So, <laughs> it, 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 like, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me that he's Batman in his downtime, I wouldn't be surprised. 
because <laughs> the way he talks and and like his like neck veins, he just like I don't know. I just things I was looking paying attention on, but that's that's <laughs> I don't know. It's stuff I thought I thought about today when I was looking at the interview. But anyways, uh, that's that's uh that is this edition of the At Bat Baseball podcast. Uh, we'll come back next week and uh, hopefully you know more uh to talk more positives when it comes to you know Dansby when it comes to uh, Liam Hendricks getting closer to coming back. Uh, of course, uh you can see Gabe Wilkins on the Open Run uh podcast. Uh, as Gabe said, he hasn't seen a lot of baseball baseball games, and I'm sure that NBA takes a lot of his attention as well because it's getting hot out there, and the Bulls are in the playing round, which I'm not super excited about, but it's cool to see at least you know get to watch a couple extra games there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll see. You never know, right? Once once the games, you know, once it, once it goes down, I saw Chris Middleton is out. You know, he you know he came out of the game tonight, so you never know. Bulls sneak in, and you know, we'll never know, right? But uh, and then also uh, Chris Pennant on the Skyhook podcast. Uh, you know, the, the season tips off uh, May 6th, I think, in general, right? But for the sky, it's uh, – is it the 19th? Am I saying that correctly? It's it's a little weird. I, yeah, yeah, I, I saw uh, that. I was looking at it. The, I think the big thing that everybody's excited about that's pretty cool is that they're playing the Minnesota Lynx up in Toronto mm. on the 13th. I know that's mm. the 13th. I know a friend of mine out in Calgary, Alberta, who did end up getting tickets to that. So shout out to Lindsay and Naveen. Y'all getting to go to that game is going to be hype. Um, but yeah, yeah, the sky season tips off soon and it's going to be a Donnie Brook of a season. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for that. And, uh, so tune into Skyhook podcast with him and James K. Uh, and again, Saul Rodriguez, uh, thank you for watching and we'll see you guys next week.